If you're looking for Pokemon style Etsy items, Pokemon Pop figures, and so much more, check out the PokeDepartmentStore.com. That's P-O-K-E-D-E-P-S-T-O-R-E.com for all your Pokemon needs. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is up, everyone. It's me, the Pokemon Cave. Uh, as I record this, uh, it's actually November or November. It's actually December 16th uh, at about 1 p.m. Um, before we get into the seven or the continuation of the seven uh, fan theories or conspiracy theories. Uh, today, there is a bittersweet in the Pokemon community. Uh, it was announced today that Ash, Ketchum and Pikachu will not continue on in the Pokemon series. Um, there was rumors beforehand that it wasn't the last time that we would see Ash after the finals and that Ash would move on. Uh, however, I don't think Ash is gone for good. I think Ash will show up in kind of guest appearances here and there, maybe a little bit here and there, kind of just kind of like how Brock and Missy did and all the other uh, supporting roles. Uh, but as of today, December 16th, it's been documented that Ash Ketchum and Pikachu are no longer in the anime um, after the next 11 episodes in Japan. Uh, now, thankfully, we will get to see him still when those episodes release in North America. So he's not necessarily gone within the next, what, 11 weeks or so. Um, but that also means the Japanese voice over actress for Ash Ketchum will presumably be no more. That also means, unfortunately, uh, our amazing Sarah Natacheni, uh for North America will unfortunately be gone. Um, you know, we've been through this before, guys. Remember, we did have Veronica Taylor in the very, very beginning. And then Sarah took over for Veronica. Um, so, you know, we've seen a Ash Ketchum step down and another step up. Now, who's to say that this new series that they're coming out with, with the two main characters? I mean, that might be interesting. Plus, it opens up now the Scarlet and Violet universe. We get to see... Sprig and and all of them and Quackly and the fire type who even in the games I refuse to touch because he just looks horrible when you evolve him. Um kind of quickly mentioning on that, I I mean I finally uh I beat the Violet uh this morning. I'm just about to go back and redo the gym challenges um with the stronger Pokemon now. Um and then I'm going to go on to Violet or uh, Scarlet. 
but I think I've already chose that I'm going to go with Quaxley for Scarlet. Uh, just because he is a pain in the butt in his final evolution with um, with the fact that he can dodge a lot of moves because he is a dancing Pokemon, so to speak. Um, and I think that would be kind of fun to to play with. Um, you know, I've I've learned how to counter that. So it'd be kind of interesting to be on the other side of the the, the mat, so to speak, to, to go with that. But let's get into some conspiracy theories, shall we? First up is Pokemon names. Pokemon are named after the sounds they make, not the other way around. The concept of Pokemon only being able to vocalize by saying their own names is strange to me and has been for decades now. If nothing else, it makes it easier to remember their names. But is there any analog to the real world for this? Dogs are not called barks. Moreover, how insane would it be if dogs with certain attributes said those attributes in the human language? Such as, Electric Corgi, Electro Corgi, as the mailman walked past the front gate. My theory has to do with the history of the language of the Pokemon world. Using world-building techniques and literature as a template, we learned that most important thing to newly developing people can greatly influence their language, i.e. the way the mouth moves when suckling becomes the building block for ma, mama, material, etc. Or how writing was generally furthered by the need to tack how many barley was harvested. These are early things contributed to the rest of history literally being written a certain way. Getting at is, though, that most important thing in the Pokemon world is the Pokemon themselves. But why would that make the name of a Pokemon that copies other Pokemon? Uh, for instance, Ditto. Why would that Pokemon start saying that name? Uh, because it's in reverse. The names are literally Ono... Oh my god. Onomatopic Poek? <laughs> I butchered that word. Uh, and would actually be tantamount to a dog being called Wolf. My theory is that the sound a Sandshrew makes is actually what people in the Pokemon world called a Sandshrew. They call cows moos. The reason they do this is their language is based on Pokemon. They get the word sand from what Sandshrew says. They had no need to come up with the word for electricity because they could cloud it together from the sounds that electric Pokemon were making. But why does it sound like English or Japanese or other actual Earth languages? <clears throat> because it's being translated from the Pokemon world languages. The languages of the Pokemon world are built and enhanced by the vocalization of Pokemon, so it would sound like their names were puns if they were translated into English. Uh, that one, uh, that's, that's an interesting one, so to speak. Uh, it got 237 upvotes so far, and 63 down. I, I don't know. I don't know if I really believe that one or not. Next up is Professor Oak is a former Pokemon League champion. I mean, I, I think that was already theorized before it even became really a concept or a conspiracy theory. Professor Oak is a divorced husband of Agatha from the Elite Four, having been the previous champion of Kanto himself before stepping down after learning that his son, Giovanni, had become a crime lord. Let me explain step by step using the Fire Red and Leaf Green game as reference. So, champion of Kanto. Throughout the adventure in Kanto, you come across time and time again your rival, Oak's grandson. Once you find yourself at the Elite Four, something odd strikes out. Take a read of Lance's comment uh, to you after defeating him, the final Elite Four. I still can't believe my dragons lo lost to you, player. 
You are now the Pokemon League champion, or you would have been, but you have one more challenge left. There is one more trainer to face. His name is Rival. He beat the Elite Four before you. He is the real Pokemon League champion. It's only it's only game in the entire mainline series where it stated that you would have to become champion after defeating the Elite Four, but the opportunity was thwarted by your rival, what gives? Was Lance original champion with someone else at his place when your rival came in, or was there really no champion? No, there was a champion, but they had left a while ago. Oak, a professor of Palatown, was the champion of Kanto, but how so? When it comes to family in the mainline games, there are often multiple members who prove to be capable trainers. Be it in Gen 4 or Gen 7, yeah, 7, <laughs> with two gym leaders being related, or Gen 5 being the champion's grandson being the final challenge in the game's battle tower, your rival and ask, your rival and ask are no, oh, sorry, I thought it was ask, it's ak, a-a-k, are no different. <laughs> in the original first gen games, Oak has unused data where he could have fought you, all five Pokemon being in the high 60s to 70s, making him one of the highest level trainers in the game. Pokemon trainer runs in the family, and both are, ex are exemplary trainers. Agatha is connected to Oak. Her first and only dialogue with you in the game mentions him. I hear Oak's taken a lot of interest in you, child. You're the child that Oak's taken under his wing, aren't you? The old Duff was once tough and handsome, but that was decades ago. He's a shadow of his former self. Now he just wants to fiddle with his Pokedex. He's wrong. Pokemon are for battling, while no other champions outright mention Oak in their dialogue, there is perhaps some greater reason for this, which will be mentioned later. Nevertheless, Oak is tired, or Oak is tied to be a member of Delete 4 beyond his, his, yeah, my goodness, his grandson. <laughs> in Oak's laboratory, a piece of mail can be found on his computer, while stating that the Elite 4 is now open. The most distinct part is that they directly ask Oak to come visit. The only source stating that the Elite Four recently reopened, and they want Oak to come. How odd. Upon beating your rival for the spot of champion, Oak immediately appears post-battle to congratulate you and scold your rival. How is the old man capable of finding his way to, from Palatown to the Indigo Plateau through Victory Road and the Elite Four rooms, ignoring the idea that he fought them here so quickly? Perhaps he was still... Perhaps he still has some Pokemon left to help his way through the road, or a flying Pokemon allowing him to land at Pokemon Center he no doubt had access before. As such, I firmly believe Oak was the previous champion of Kanto, but why did he step down? What's his connection to Giovanni? Love, breakup, and a scandal. As stated before, Oak is tied to Agatha, with the latter mentioning how tough and handsome the man was decades ago. With some stretching, I believe the two were romantically involved in the past, leading to the birth of at least two children. Your rival's parents, for one, mom or dad, doesn't really matter, and Giovanni. It is not odd how Giovanni's gym is located in Viridian City, the one town in Kanto separating Pallet and the Indigo Plateau. When Oak and Agatha separated, the young Giovanni no doubt tried to sit, share his time with the two, and though his connection to the Elite Four and his champion, he earned or obtained his position as a gym leader in the town between the places where his parents worked. Notice Giovanni's team when you finally encounter him at his gym. Two poison types. You know who else has a team mainly composed of poison types? Agatha. 
Not only that, but his but his leaning towards ground types is also spectacular. Bertha, one of the Elite Four in Sinnoh, is theorized to be related to Agatha for various reasons, uh, with a Legends Arceus spoiler. Uh, Charm, one of the Misfortune sisters who shares a resemblance to Agatha and Bertha, both in appearance, hair, and having a Gengar and Rhydon, the two signature Pokemon of Bertha and Agatha, also uses ground type. Perhaps in this separation, Giovanni was left in the care of Agatha, while the rival parents was left with Oak, to which the gym leader found his connection to the ground and poison types due to his mother and aunt. With this, a story paints itself with Oak slowly learning, leaning sorry, towards the study of Pokemon rather than battling. His relationship with his battle-hardly wife broke apart, and the two separated, splitting the children, Giovanni, left with his mother and influenced by her family, established himself as the gym leader in order to find himself closer to his separated parents. Yet still focused on how powerful Pokemon can be, Agatha's ruthlessness for battle worsened in him, and Giovanni began to use Pokemon for crime, stealing from those not strong enough to fight back and becoming the crime lord for Team Rocket. If Oak did not step down from champion when he separated from Agatha, he most definitely did upon learning his son was now a crime lord. With their champion now gone, the Elite Four closed the Indigo Plateau in order to decide what to do, most likely only accepting trainers to possibly become members of the Elite Four. Agatha, no doubt, was the final test to test her mantle. When it came to light that his grandson was now becoming a trainer, the Elite Four reopened, with no doubt further uh, invigorating your rival to become the champion of Kanto now that the spot was open. What they all didn't expect, however, was for someone completely unrelated to Oak's family to take a spot as champion, with possible refutes. Why didn't the Elite Four, or Oak for that matter, stop Giovanni? Well, there is no doubt a source of shame in Oak and maybe Agatha, knowing their son became a crime lord. The Elite Four may not have intervened due to Agatha's demand. Perhaps the two never knew their son was the leader of Team Rocket, having been misled to believe he was simply occupying his place as a gym leader. Why does Oak, Agatha, or Giovanni mention a connection towards each other? Would you mention how your son is a possible crime lord? Probably not. Perhaps the connection that Mr. Giovanni is the son of Oak and Agatha is left undisclosed to the general population. The only mention is through your rival. He only refers to Giovanni as Boss Rocket. The fact he just leaves Sinfoth uh, Co. After you, after you defeat him, <laughs> rather than try and surpass the Lord of Crime, seems odd as well. Uh, I mean, they kind of do that in all the games. Somebody will pop up, talk to you, and then they run off. Uh, you know, can't really read too much into that, but whatever. Uh, that's pretty much on my end. Wanted to vent my theory since it's been bubbling in my head for a while. Hope you like it. Uh, they end up doing a small edit. Uh, they go on by saying... Small idea that I, that I remembered. Take this one with an extra grain of salt. Firstly, the introduction scene prior to the game starting is a fight between Gengar and Nidorino. A fight suggested to have perhaps been between Agatha and Oak. Pokemon Masters hinting so through a scene between the two showing them with a Gengar and Nidorino. You know what Pokemon Oak summons when he talks to you upon starting a new game in red and green? Uh, fire red and leaf green is a female Nidoran. You know who is the only trainer 
from their knowledge, in the game that has both of these Pokemon at their final evolution, Giovanni. Interesting. Uh, that was 160 up and 53 down. I mean, yeah, there is a lot of moving parts in that one. Um, oh, what do you guys think of that? Next up for number 10 is you play as the antagonist in Pokemon Red and Blue. Uh, in the original Red and Blue, when you encounter... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. After your arrival in Lavender Town, he asked whether or not you know what it's like to have one of your Pokemon die. At that point in the game, he no longer has his Raticate that he used to have in previous battles. Your rival battle before this took place aboard the SSM. Your rival's Redicate uh, sustained serious injuries from the battle, but because of the crowding and confusion on the luxury liner, he was unable to make it to the Pokemon Center in time, and the Radicate passed away. The real reason why your rival is in Lavender Town to begin with is to lay his deceased friend to rest. Despite all of this, your rival never outwardly tells you that you're responsible for the death of the Pokemon. He hides his grief and instead channels that energy into the motivation he needed to continue his quest to become Indigo League Champion. The death of his Raticate effectively destroys your rival's impenished childhood innocence. Although he tells himself that he doesn't hold you responsible, he subconsciously holds a great deal of resentment towards you, which further fuels his ambitions. Tearfully swelling, swearing upon his Raticate's grave is not fail in what he set out to do. Oh, wow, I butchered that. <laughs> he trains hard in hopes of becoming better than you, defeating you, and eventually making it to the Pokemon League. Mere moments after he became, after he became Indigo League champion, he was defeated by you. Although he fulfilled his promise to his fallen Pokemon, it was only for a painful brief instant. In that end, your rival is scolded by his grandfather while you received the professor's praise. During the course of the game, you steal your rival's innocence crush his dreams, and ultimately snatch away the love of his own grandfather. Oh, and by the way, your rival doesn't have any parents. He's an orphan. Ooh, oh boy. Uh, oh crap, that was dark. <laughs> um, that was 130 up and 64 down for that one on Reddit. Um, oh, holy crap. I mean... Ooh, I am speechless. That is that is dark, but that is actually believable. I mean, you are, I, I guess theoretically, you are less than Pokemon Red and Blue. Oh God, dang! That is you. That is bad. 
Um, on on that note, let's move on to number eleven, uh, which is that Lance had three Dragonairs before going to the Lake of Rage. Uh, according to this Reddit uh, user, it really put a thorn in their side. He, they go on to say, the biggest thing that always pissed me off when I was playing through Soul Silver was that you would fight Lance at the end of the Elite Four, and he had three Dragonites, despite all of them being at least five levels below the 55 level threshold for Dragonair to become Dragonite. Now, this just may be the game making a champion more difficult, but I think there's something else here at play. And it goes back to when you first encounter Lance. If you recall, you first meet Lance in Silver when you go to the Lake of Rage. After you have your encounter with the Red Gyarados, he talks to you about the fact that he came to the Lake of Rage after having heard the rumors all about the Gyarados and the like. Fast forward a little later to the storming of Team Rocket's hideout in uh, Mahogany Town, Lance goes... Or Lance uses a Dragonite to thrash some goons who are guarding the secret base. In the DS version, when you fight in the double battle with Lance, he already has a Dragonite that is below level 55. So it is one of the same ones that he has at the end of the game, not the Dragonite he has in red, which is at level 60. Once Lance and your character are done taking out Team Rocket, Lance discovers that the radio broadcast was forcing that the Magikarp to evolve into Lake of Rage which reveals how Lance has the Pokemon he does at the end of the first part of the game. Lance had three Dragonairs before going to the Lake of Rage, and the radio broadcast forced them to evolve early. More evidence. They go on to say, Lance re remarks on how the forced evolution made them angry when they evolve, and Dragonite's main move is Outrage, instead of Lance's normal favorite move, Hyper Beam. In Fire Red, Lance has only one Dragonite, but two Dragonairs. That are, in fact, level 54. Four levels higher than his strongest Pokemon in Silver. Even the original Red version, he has two Dragonairs that are level 56, one level higher than the level of Evolution. Dragonite doesn't learn Outrage until level 64. Um, yeah, I mean, that could be true uh, in so many ways. Uh, I... It actually does make sense. I mean, heck, I had a Dragonite before beating the last two gyms, I think. So, I mean, it it's possible. Next up is for number 12. Brock is the reason for all the filler episodes in the Pokemon anime. I mean, this could be very believable, guys. A joke in the early seasons is that Brock often had no sense of direction. Yeah, no kidding. TV troops pro proposed this as a joke, but I do believe it makes sense. As Brock is the big brother of our group, Ash and Co. look to him and trust him. But Brock is a terrible navigator who can't read a map to save his life. And this was before there was an iPhone or a Google Maps app. Yeah, Max had a pokey gear, but he's still just a little kid. He's bound to make mistakes. In universe, Brock is also 15 years old, uh, who had to watch his siblings and his gym instead of journeying. So he would, of course, miss out on some things that would probably be compulsory for potential trainers. Like how to read a map, for instance. A big complaint about Diamond and Pearl is the number of filler episodes. Uh, yeah, yeah, no kidding. A uh, complaint I have about advanced generations is there are too many episodes in the forest. So the reason why we get a lot of filler episodes is that Brock either is a poor navigator, who doesn't know how to find a shortcut, or he is subsequently taking paths he knows lead to Pokemon centers where he can hit on Nurse Joy. <laughs> I mean, a little bit of both, maybe? <laughs> In 
In a huge forest with lots of Pokemon, there's bound to be more Pokemon centers than in Urban City that has the standard one, after all. I know this seems far-fetched, but after Ash leaves Brock, the anime tends to be shorter or more tight, tightly packed. It takes Ash over a year to get a badge from Valker after he gets one from Candace, but it only takes him half that time to get one from uh, Warfrick. And and I think you can thank who... What? That isn't... And I think you can thank who Ash was traveling with after Brock left. Uh, Cillian, Cillian has a better sense of direction overall. Clement and Serena both have devices that tell them where to go. In Aloha, there is no journey, and everybody knows the environment. Out of the universe, I think you can just justify the anime being shorter because they're based on the games. And nowadays, the games tend to come out every year instead of every few years. Um, yeah, I mean, that is pretty freaking straightforward. Um, I mean, Brock did suck at navigating. But, I mean, just like they said, maybe it's because he had to f uh, spend more time focusing on his family than he did learning things about what's outside of the four walls of his house, right? So it just, it definitely does, I mean, that would take a toll on anybody to not be able to actually sit down and study when you got to take care of a group of kids. And the final story that we're going to do today, um, we are getting pretty close to time and the next story is a little bit longer, or the next theory is a bit longer. Um, I didn't anticipate uh, getting the news I did today that uh, Sarah Natchitani and Ash and all of them were, were leaving the anime. Uh, so that kind of extended things a little bit. But last story is Mewtwo controls the protagonist for the duration of the story in order to extract revenge on Team Rocket. Extract. Exact. Jeez, Murphy. I gotta learn how to talk. <laughs> I mean, I do this for, for a hobby here. Come on. <laughs> Pokemon has tons of fan theories, but here's one I've thought about for the main character's journey in the game. For being such a young kid... You leave your house and immediately, with no second thought, go to defeat the gym leaders. Okay, fair enough. That seems to be what most trainers do. But then an evil, mafia-like organization comes in and tries to take over. And this 10-year-old just goes for it? Huh. Not only is it dangerous, but aside from the encounter on Nugget Bridge, the main character has very little reason to even need to go and fight them. There are far stronger trainers out there, like gym leaders, elite four members, etc., so why is it our character's goal to stop them so badly? So much for that, at times you can't even progress until you defeat them. What the heck gives? Also, the main character is almost completely silent protagonist. You very rarely answer to anyone or even show interest in anything other than training your Pokemon to be stronger. The main character seems to have two main goals. To get extremely powerful, and as quickly as possible. Uh, by defeating the strongest trainer and the champion, and to completely defeat the Team Rocket. Story-wise, these are the main goals. But why? Well, consider this. Sure, you can catch them all. But can you do that completely separate from the Elite Four and Team Rocket? And it isn't, isn't even required. You know what something that can only be done post-game is? After defeating Team Rocket and the champion, it's the Cerulean Cave. A cave full of the most powerful Pokemon in that region, including Mewtwo. Mewtwo, who is just conveniently sitting in the cave, seemingly waiting for you because he knew you were coming. Because this psychic type Pokemon has been using vast, vast 
psychic powers from the beginning of the game to control your player character. To ensure your focus was only ever on catching and training the strongest Pokemon, perhaps it was to ensure it would have its own powerful team, maybe so it could have a worthy trainer, and also to get revenge on Team Rocket. Being created by the evil team, Mewtwo loathes Team Rocket and that they did and what they did to him. That's why your character has such a fixation with not only battling, but absolutely disbanding and destroying Team Rocket. Mewtwo actually had a reason enough for it to make sense as it go as far as the main character did to completely stop them, not even wanting to wait for anyone else to do it. Or perhaps Mewtwo wanted to pull the strings and take them down himself, but needed a less obvious body in order to do it. Mewtwo, being such an insanely powerful psychic, makes this makes this make sense to me. And the fact that the very last story-based mission you can do in that game is capture Mewtwo, and it makes sense that it ends there. After all, Mewtwo has won, and his goals are completed. Mewtwo controls the protagonist for the duration of the story in order to exact his revenge on Team Rocket and possibly build up a stronger team, too. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, why not? Why not have a massively powerful psychic Pokemon use someone else as a puppet to do their bidding for them? We see it in countless other animes, games, movies. Why not, right? What do you think? And that's going to end it for this episode of Pokemon Cave uh, Podcast. Remember, uh, the first episode came out on Monday. This one should be coming out today, Wednesday. I mean, I'm looking in the future. Like I said, today is the 16th. Uh, and this episode is actually not coming out until December 21st. So, what's going on, future? Or from the past? <laughs> uh, so, anyways, uh, keep that in mind. We had an episode come out on the 19th. It will be part one. This is going to be part two. The clip art or the thumbnails are going to look the exact same. Title will be the exact same with just part one or part two. Uh, third episode comes out this Friday, the 23rd, I think. Yes, 23rd. It will be out on the 23rd. Again, same thumbnail, same name, just part three at the end, okay? So please don't try and mix that up. I mean, it's going to make... I mean, you can listen to whichever episode you want first. It probably doesn't really matter. But from the first episode that came out on Monday until the Friday when the third episode comes out, uh, and we'll leave it up until Christmas Eve, okay? So Christmas Eve, midnight Christmas Eve going into Christmas Day. You have until then... Send me your wildest believable, okay? It has to be believable. Send me your wildest believable Pokemon conspiracy theory that was not mentioned in these uh, three podcast episodes, okay? So you have to listen to the podcast to make sure that you're just not copying and pasting what I just wrote or said. Because, I mean, come on, that's lazy. And you're not going to win because I already gave my thoughts on it, okay? So, do that, and on Christmas Day, I will actually sit down, ah, yes, maybe sometime Christmas Day, maybe uh, sometime in the morning. I'll sit down, quickly go through the answers uh, that I received, and I'm going to pick the one that is the most believable. And you're going to win a couple of slabs, okay? Two of them, in fact. And these are pretty decent slabs. So, stay tuned for that. 
again, my Instagram handle will be down below. Just click on the link on whatever platform you listen to this on. Uh, shoot me a message. Um, if it, I mean, I'll check my messages constantly. So in case it goes into my request or um, my other folder, I'll, I'll check it check all three folders um, constantly just to make sure I'm not I'm not missing any of your your stories and I will pick a winner and I will let you know via Instagram messaging uh, when I have chosen uh, now for everyone else who I don't choose I don't want you to sit there with your phone in your hand staring at my at the message requests or whatever I will make a video declaring the winner and then I will send a, a private message to the winner. And with that, I say have a good night, good week, and have yourself a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, regardless of what you celebrate. Take care, everyone, and I'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.